Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... And all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. Yes, sir, it's Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. With me, Jonathan Hood. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. And don't forget about the YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hit that subscribe button, and that way you won't miss some of our long-form interviews, conversations, shows that we've had in the past. It's right there on youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We'll talk about a number of things here in our bonus edition, our show number two that we have weekly for you on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't forget to go back in the archives and check out some of my interviews I've done with Tessa Blanchard from Impact Wrestling, uh, with J.R. Bang, the what first Black Champ podcast we just talked earlier this week as we record this regarding the Jordan Miles situation with NXT and the whole t-shirt controversy. So we talked to J.R. Bang about that. Um, we've had a number of bonus episodes. We've talked about SmackDown on Fox. Sean Farnham has been on the program. Sean Farnham from ESPN, who's a huge uh, pro wrestling fan. Dave LaGreca from SiriusXM's Busted Open. And, of course, a lot of conversation about what's going on in the beautiful world of professional wrestling. Glad that you're with me here for another edition of Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Well, plenty to discuss, as I mentioned. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, the universal champion for the WWE. Plenty to talk about with him because he's very polarizing extremely polarizing in today's landscape for pro wrestling because uh, Seth Rollins has spoken more about things that are outside the WWE than things that are actually in the WWE. He's talked about how he's the best wrestler in the world, wrestling for the best company. He's taking shots at Kenny Omega. He's taking talking about wrestling fans in a negative light. I don't know what's going on with him, but Here's the same guy that deactivated his Twitter account, then put it back on. There's a lot of things going on. There's some pressure there that I don't think that Seth Rollins appreciates, especially from a negative standpoint. So let's go back to John Cena. Have you ever been in an arena in which you booed John Cena? I have. I have. And you just know that when people were booing John Cena at the height of his career, as the WWE champion, I don't know if they were really booing John Cena as much as they were booing the company, booing the creative, booing Vince McMahon. You see, 
John Cena was championed so often. It was almost like, like Jeff Jarrett in TNA. Like every time you look around, he was retaining or losing the title and getting it back or even Ric Flair to an extent in the 80s where he'd be a champion so long. And I just think that there is a fatigue factor with some fans. Now, when it comes to the WWE and it's creative, we've talked many times on this program, probably other podcasts you listen to, maybe the podcast that you host, other things that you read. There's been a lot of conversation about creative in the WWE and how it could be a lot better. And better meaning you have a roster, a voluminous roster, a huge, huge roster of quality performers, women and men, that are just not getting over. And I understand that it's wrestling, that everybody can't get over. But I, what I don't understand is why the, cre- why the creative is so underwhelming for the majority of that roster. There's good wrestling matches, don't get me wrong. But as far as personality and creative, that's the thing that I just don't understand. So let's go back to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is not happy with the fans and not necessarily understanding why he's getting booed. Well, John Cena was booed a lot uh, in his career because he was a symbol of what was wrong in the WWE. It wasn't on John. It was on Vince McMahon. Vince did not want to... Uh, turn John Cena heel. Remember, John Cena was a heel in the WWE once upon a time. Taking on The Undertaker, had some really good matches, taking on Kurt Angle. But he was always the same, and he was bland, and fans would boo him because there was no depth to the character of John Cena. It would just be John Cena in his jorts, John Cena in, in his hat, John Cena with his wristbands doing the same five moves. He would actually make fun of his himself, talking about the five moves of doom and talking about, I never went to the independence, so I'm a WWE superstar, blah, blah, blah. And so he was a symbol to what a lot of fans did not like, and that is no depth to the character. And so whatever was wrong with the company, they would boo John Cena and take it out on him. And people love when John Cena got beat because that meant something different, something new. And so we fast forward now to 2019 with Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is getting a beating. Yes, he's getting booed. He's getting raked over the cold of social media, shows like this. It's not about Seth Rollins. It's about the WWE. And so there's your problem right there. Seth Rollins is un- doesn't understand, like, why are the fans booing me? I don't understand. It's not about you. It's about the creative. And because you are the symbol for the WWE, no matter what Brock Lesnar does, no matter what wrestler or boxer or MMA fighter comes in, no matter how many people are on the roster for the WWE, you are still the face of the WWE. Even when Kofi Kingston was WWE champion, uh, Seth Rollins still was the face of the company. It was almost like a handing of the torch between John Cena and Seth Rollins. So Seth Rollins is now the guy. No matter if Brock Lesnar's in the company or not, it doesn't matter. Point is, is that Seth Rollins is that guy. And so Seth is going to be, as I said on a few episodes ago on this program, he will be the poster child for everything that people hate about the WWE. And Seth doesn't understand that. I think John Cena got it. John Cena understood. That's why he had his Rise Above Hate t-shirts and that 
he was doing his own thing and really did not care what the fans thought. He loved the idea that there was a reaction. The way John Cena was able to get around the booze, he would say, oh, there's a reaction tonight here in Phoenix. Oh, I'm so glad that the fans are into it here in Minneapolis. Oh, I'm so glad that you guys are hot tonight here in Charlotte. Because he'd hear the booze too. And he just took any kind of reaction as a positive. It's better than silence. 90% of that roster gets silence when they come into the arena. They get their, their fans have their phones up. They're not reacting. They're not booing. They're not cheering. But when John Cena comes in, whether it's a ton of booze, at least it's something. And he saw that as a victory. What about when Seth Rollins comes in? Seth Rollins gets booed too, but I don't know if there's that many cheers. And what happened with The Fiend and Hell in the Cell wasn't on Seth. So I'm bad creative. There's a lot of things wrong with the inner workings of the WWE as far as creative. The in-ring work, fabulous with many of the wrestlers there. You just don't, I mean, for me, there's some finishes I don't like. There's some finishes that you don't like. I see what you say to me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. But the internet wrestling community is not the end-all, be-all. The internet wrestling community it has an opinion, sure, but you have to understand within your own tent, under your own tent, in your company, if you think that your company has become stagnant and you think that you're feeding the audience just dog food time after time and you don't feel like you're doing anything new, then you have to freshen things up. You got to do some things that are different and new. And we're not seeing enough of that in the WWE. The in-ring work, hey, listen, go to any house show. doesn't matter how many people are, are there. Go to any house show. There are people that are enjoying the characters in the WWE, the wrestlers, women and men. But when it comes to some of these big events and trying to invest three hours in Raw and two hours on SmackDown, the audience is dwindling. Not in an in in alarming rate like it is on SmackDown, but just on Raw and some of their t- TV programming, their digital work. It's, it's dwindling because people are saying, well, if you're not going to invest time in wrestlers I like then what's the point of me watching? I'll come back for the tentpole events of Survivor Series and WrestleMania and Royal Rumble and, and SummerSlam. And, and, or I'll just check out the network. Either way, the WWE probably feels like, hey, you know what, we're good. We're, we're locked in. But let me get back to the point of Seth Rollins because this is why we're going to start the show with this. So Seth Rollins was on with Corey Graves on a show called After the Bell. It's a new podcast venture for the WWE. And so Corey Graves got a chance to talk to Seth Rollins. And one of the conversations that they had, one of the questions that was posed, was talking about the negative fan feedback that Seth Rollins has been getting on social media and in arenas across this country and around the world, quite frankly. A lot of this is because he's a symbol of what's wrong in the WWE. Not that he is, it's just that they're, I think they're booing Vince, they're booing Paul Heyman, they're booing Bruce Pritchard, they're booing the writers in the back because the fans aren't getting anything new, fresh. Here's a question that was posed by Seth Rollins. He's not happy with the fans, and there's something he's not saying. Listen. Despite being the universal champion, despite all of your successes over the years in WWE and even before, in recent months you've sort of found yourself on the wrong side of certain segments of the WWE universe. Not all, but 
certainly a vocal minority and uh, you could trace it back you know several months but I think it really blew up recently at Hell in a Cell due to the uh, let's say controversial ending of your matchup with the Fiend Bray Wyatt yeah I mean um, controversial I, I mean it's it's kind of one of these uh, things that you know where do you where do you, where does it go like what's the answer you know why why but I mean it, it's sort of like people just if they don't get what they want, they whine about it on Twitter, right? I mean, that's kind of what happens nowadays, and uh, that happens with everything. It's not just our industry, but um, if you do something and it strikes a chord, then um, it's almost like you're doing the right thing. I don't even know anymore. It's, it's a weird industry, dude. It's 2019, and, and I don't know. I don't know what wrestling looks like anymore. It's a weird place, dude. It's absolutely bizarre. I mean, I've known you long enough. I remember when you were like the internet darling. I mean, back in the, the days of Tyler Black, which seems like lifetimes ago. Um, what's it feel like for you to, to main event a major WWE pay-per-view like Hell in a Cell and go out there and leave it all in the ring and really, you know, do the, the best you can to the best of your ability? And then, you know, whether it be 15 minutes or an hour or the next day later, you realize that it's just being you know universally panned by at least the internet community um well so you know you mentioned internet darling and the thing that the funny thing is you can you know you said all the way back to tyler black but you could go back shoot six months you could go back a year a year ago uh from alan cell um you know what i mean i was everybody's favorite those, those same people that are that are panning Helen Cell and uh, talking about how Seth Rollins is not cool were the same people that were clamoring for me to be uh, the guy to face Brock Lesnar going into WrestleMania. And so um, I, I, I don't know what changed as far as the fact that, except for the fact that I became the person that they wanted me to be and then they hated me for it. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a very fickle audience. It is what it is. But um, it, to answer your question directly, um, it feels awful, you know? It's not a good feeling to go out there and, and put your body on the line. And not just the hell in a cell, but every single night um, for the past however many years that I've been doing it, uh, I go out and compete at an extremely high level. And uh, dare I say, I'm one of the very best at my job. Um, and I do what I have to do when I have to do it. And, and look, it's not, it's not always pretty, uh, but you go out there and you do your job and you do it well. But, you know, people don't like it and they kind of, they forget that, that it is what it is. And so uh, it hurts your feelings. You're a human being. You go out there and you work hard, and, and it's fine. It's art. You can have your opinion on it. But, man, it, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Oh, it hurts my feelings. Thoughts from Seth Rollins with Corey Graves after the Bell Podcast, wherever you download your podcasts. Okay. <laughs> Lots to unpack there, right? I don't know if I'm being live-wired or not. Have you ever seen the show WWE Livewire back in the day of Jim Cornette and Vince Russo and Vince McMahon? Livewire was really the conduit to the Attitude Era because it was a Saturday morning show on the USA Network and Vince McMahon was on the show with Jim Cornette and probably Todd Pettengill. They were taking calls quote-unquote, live on the air, right? And you could just tell that it was kind of a work shoot situation on Livewire. They were opening up some 
kind of like the creative a little bit, the cre- creative envelope. You know, Doc Hendricks was always Michael Hayes, and there was Vince Russo saying, you're nothing but Freebird Michael Hayes. And, like, he was never Michael Hayes in the WWE initially until Vince Russo said it. And talking about Jim Cornette and his the NWA, all that stuff. All that stuff was uh, off-limits to the WWE back in the day during that time. And then here comes the Attitude Era, then everything was open. You could say whatever you want to say. So I'm wondering, is this part of creative or is this something off the top of his head? Because I don't know if that's really news, what he just said. It'd be interesting if it's used in other WWE platforms where Seth Rollins says that he feels like you know, he feels like his feelings are hurt because he doesn't know where wrestling is in 2019 and all this. Like, here's what he can't say, but you and I can say. And that is that the creative in the WWE is underwhelming. It is sometimes at WCW 2001 levels. And that is toward the very bottom, if not the bottom, as far as a company going nowhere, creative going nowhere, and they were just throwing anything against the wall. That was the case in WCW back in the day when it was about to close. We see some of that now in the WWE, but because there's no one that can even come close to the WWE as far as um, television and awareness, then the WWE can experiment and do anything, and people will watch. It may not be a ton. It might be a little bit. might be somewhere in the middle, but people will watch. I don't. Seth Rollins can't say what we can say, and that his creative is not great. And he doesn't understand why he's getting booed. He knows. He knows. He's been in wrestling long enough to understand why he's getting that reaction. Just like Roman Reigns got that same reaction after John Cena. Roman Reigns was booed for no reason only because people assume that Roman Reigns was so up Vince McMahon's backside that like this is the you know the crown champion this is our guy and so now you have to deal with it and Roman Reigns didn't deserve that Roman Reigns is not booed anymore because well he had cancer that's how wrestling fans are like oh you still not you, why are you booing him now oh because he went through cancer no he didn't deserve to be booed to start with neither did John Cena and neither the Seth Rollins who needs to be booed is the WWE. But the thing is, is that so many people hate watch and consume the WWE that they can't help but to watch so they can get online and talk to their friends and talk to their Twitter friends about how much they hate it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, I just know for me, if there's a restaurant that I went to and I didn't like it, I wouldn't come back. I'm not even sure if I would even spend time on a Yelp review but the, the my point is, is that I wouldn't keep going to that restaurant knowing it sucks, knowing the food's bad, knowing that the service is bad. So, and as far as criticism is concerned, well, he's a universal champion. He's going to have criticism. He's a, he's a top dog. He is the face of the company. It's not Brock Lesnar. He's the face of the company. And so if legit he has a problem with fans saying that they don't, like him or don't like his like the creative or don't like him as universal champion then he needs to find another line of business all i know is that becky lynch is handling it just fine the woman that he's with on a daily basis he's handling she's handling it just fine at doing what she's doing and seth rollins 
if this is an angle that he's starting with Corey Graves, then that's fine. But if that's legit, that's troublesome because he sounds down in the dumps. Man, you're the, you're a universal champion. And there's I remember Dave LaGreca saying this on on Busted Open probably a week or two ago. He said, you know, Seth Rollins should be able to say something to Vince McMahon and creative about his persona. And, you know, you remember Seth was talking about how people don't think that he's cool. He does, he's, he does not come across cool. He comes across as corny Cena. And Cena was corny, but he embraced it. Like, I'm clumsy in the ring. I got five moves, and I say, I use references that are outdated and weird, and this is who I am. And he didn't change, even though he would have liked to. He didn't change. And so if Seth has any stroke in that company whatsoever as one of the faces of the company, if he can't go to them and say, hey, I've got an idea for my creative, and if they say no, then you deal with it. And if you don't like being there, you leave. <laughs> it's just like, it's a it's a weird conundrum. You can get paid seven figures and do what they say. And if you don't like it, you can leave like John Moxley left. You know, like a number of wrestlers left the company to do something else. So it, it's, it's an interesting deal for Seth Rollins. If he legit is pissed off um, at fans... And taking down the fans. That's not right. That's, they're paying customers. Be mad at creative. Legit. Don't be mad at <laughs> don't be mad at the fans. Be mad at creative. Because those are the ones making you seem corny. And and writing promos that are just kind of odd <laughs> for a Universal Champion. It's like they're, they're writing for Cena. They're not writing for Seth Rollins. I'm not even sure what Seth Rollins is as Universal Champion. Yeah, his work rate in, you know, again, as far as his in-ring work is terrific. But everything around it is about personality, right? It's about big personalities in the WWE. How they paint you. How would you describe Seth Rollins' personality? Really enjoyed the Wednesday Night Wars once again. And it depends on how you call it. If you refer to it as wars, not wars, maybe not a war, whatever it is. I just know that AEW and NXT are really putting on two terrific shows on Wednesdays. It's not about ratings because you can see how the ratings are dwindling, especially I haven't seen the ratings as we record this for um, after game seven of the World Series. It's not really that important to me. All I know is that we're seeing two terrific shows and both companies are going all out to try to entertain us. And it's great because there's an effort there. Here's why it's important. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on with NXT or with AEW. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that we continue to be entertained. It's something for us to talk about, you and I, when it comes to this these Wednesday night shows. Here's why it matters. It matters because you can see an effort in AEW and NXT. There's an effort there. Do you see an effort on Raw? Just every now and then, right? Some matches, right? And it's hard to be able to keep everybody entertained for three hours. I get that. It's hard for, to, for us to have a solid wrestling show for two hours on Friday nights on SmackDown, on Fox. It seems like it is. It just comes down to just one person's idea. Now, compare that to AEW, where it's, again, it's a lot different than most companies that you'll see. There's no doubt. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But there's an effort there to try to entertain us. It's not garbage. 
not not the whole show, <laughs> you know. And and the same thing with NXT. There's a, 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 a you can see Triple H and Shawn Michaels and others that are working behind the scenes trying to find angles in matches, trying to find ways to entertain us without wasting a lot of time. I watched NXT first this week. Last week it was AEW. This week I watched NXT first, and um, I love the open of the NXT show because you had a band there, and that just raised the energy of the room and of the TV show. You saw Io Shirai against Candice LeRae. I thought it was a good match, not a great match at all. I just think that did a lot for Io Shirai. I, I just think that she's terrific. I, I thought that she was a heel. Guess not, because she had a babyface um, band coming out for her, and the fans reacted to her. So was this babyface versus babyface? I don't know. I just thought it was a, just a decent match to start off. That was about a B-plus matchup. It was great to see Finn Balor. That was one of the high spots for me at NXT, just to see Finn Balor come out there. He had a great promo. He had a great promo. He says, I don't watch this business. This business watches me. Great quote. Uh, Johnny Wrestling, I sent him to the hospital, and now he's going to be called Johnny Watches Wrestling. Just great. Just a, a terrific promo. He didn't say a ton. He said very little, but what he said was very meaningful in the way he said it. Promo was great. Really enjoyed that. I love that over-smiling Finn Balor that we saw on Raw and all the other shows. It's amazing what happens when you're under the tutelage of Triple H, right? Um, some of the other highlights. I thought the best match on NXT for this past Wednesday was the Kabuki Warriors against Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. The Kabuki Warriors were terrific. It was a terrific match. It was the best match, I thought, arguably of the Wednesday night, but definitely on NXT. I, I just thought that uh, Asuka... What was just terrific. She's just so good out there. I mean, she should be in the mix just like Charlotte Flair and just like Becky Lynch in the mix for the SmackDown or Raw Women's Championship, and she's not. She's in this tag team, but that's okay. Her and Kari Sane are doing something that we have not seen since the 80s, a Japanese kick-ass women tag team that is just burning it down. They are really putting on a show, and... It was one of those matches where Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, they were cut off at every time that you had some momentum to get cut off by those two, Asuka and, and, and um, Kari Sane. Man, it was a really good matchup. It was really well done, really well put together. And actually, I will say this, I don't even really think that Asuka and Sane, I don't think they really hurt the, uh, the combination of Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. They weren't hurt by it. Because now it looks like they're all going to be in war games or something. But I, I thought that that was great. And it looked good to see the, the green mist, too. Um, Cameron Grimes with a surprise victory over Tyler Bate. Didn't expect that. Didn't I expect that, uh, that finish. But you could tell that they really like what they see in Cameron Grimes. So I thought it was a good match. Um, the NXT Tag Team Championships. It, it, the Undisputed Era is, is always good. Uh, O'Reilly and Fish, since I've been watching ROH, even back during that time, just one of my favorite tag teams to watch to take on Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. I thought it was a, a very good match. But I just thought that just the way the Kabuki Warriors went about their business as a tag team, they look like they've been doing it for 10 years. It just shows you the experience, though. Um, and 
to see Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox out there uh, combined, what do they have? Three knee braces combined, like two on one woman and one on the other. Oh, that's that was <laughs> that's tough. And you see the other two just healthy Kabuki warriors. They really work really well. So I enjoyed the NXT show. Um, and once again, didn't matter if the rule series was on at the same time, they still were able to tell their story. The story is very well documented. You can see where they're going with their next big event. Um, so that's it was fun. I thought it was a very, very good show. And uh, I think I might have got the best match of the night out of that, especially on the NXT side. AEW was very good once again as well. Um, AEW did not rush into anything this week. What they did was they took their time to tell the story about Cody Rhodes and his quest for the heavyweight championship against Chris Jericho. They took a page from the old school. I remember when Ric Flair was vying for the world heavyweight championship against Vader. And it was uh, mean Gene Okerlund in the limo with Ric Flair as they drove from Rick's house all the way to the arena, the Charlotte arena and right into the locker room, and it was just a great story told between the two, talking about what's going on with the ch- in the challenger's mind uh, as he prepares for a World Heavyweight Championship. The same thing we saw with Cody Rhodes and Tony Schiavone in the um, in the limo, coming from the airplane into the limo, and just a long form conversation. It was fine. Absolutely fine, because it told a story of what was going through Cody's mind. And it was a great setup for um, the the big event they're going to have with Full Gear in Baltimore. The show in general was very good. I think that Adam Hangman Page needed that win against Sammy Guevara. Didn't hurt Guevara at all. Here's what it did. It helped Hangman Page. Gotta be able to push some of your younger talent as much as possible. It's hard to do a two-hour format. I get that. Hangman Page started off behind to a general audience that wasn't used to AEW because he was immediately put in that main event with Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship in the AEW Championship Finals. And so it made people think, okay, was Hangman Page really ready for that moment? Okay, so just the way he was able to win that match against Sammy Guevara, it was a very good opening match. It was good for Page because he even said in his promo, you know, I've been off to a slow start. It's been kind of rocky, and he's going to do some cowboy shit, as he said on the show on TNT. Um, Shahida, or Shida, I believe her name is. I think I said that wrong. Shida uh, against Shanna. Um, that was a, a good match. Um, I want to see more of Shida, and I want to see more of Shanna. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a good match. Uh, maybe a little bit long, but I want to see more of them individually to be able to decide whether or not I feel that they are going to help the AEW women's division and take it to another level. I think because it's a young company, they're still trying to build on talent and try to bring in more talent. Um, but the the women's division still has some work to do. Maybe those two can be building blocks for the AEW women's division. Um Santana and Ortiz, boy, they tell you what, that, that whole inner circle had a lot to do uh, on this on this show. Um, because Santana and Ortiz, they blindsided the Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll came out there. Good to see Ricky Morton. You see Ricky Morton miming what Robert Gibson was saying. Robert was talking, and it seemed like Ricky was saying the same thing that Robert was doing. It's kind of annoying. It's kind of weird. 
Um, but they got attacked from behind, and Ricky Morton took this huge bump. Wow, it was amazing. You gotta if you haven't seen that, you gotta see what uh, the uh, Santana Ortiz combination did to the legends, the Rock and Roll Express. The people there did not like that because with them being in Charleston, West Virginia, that's the old NWA territory. Yeah, they didn't like that happening to Ricky and Robert. Uh, I did watch Best Friends and Orange Cassidy against um, the Silver Reynolds Marshall combination. So we skipped right past that. I don't know why I didn't have to go to the bathroom during that time. I should have been able to. Uh, I wish my stomach was rumbling so I could went to the bathroom during that time. That didn't. Uh, I can just see that this this is always a let me up every time that these guys are out there. Um, it's not like AEW doesn't have time to tell more stories about Orange Cassidy and who he is, or best friends for that matter, to a new audience. Uh, they're just a spectacle when they come out there. Um, Chris Jericho and Cody in the contract signing was fun, especially, especially when they have that face-to-face and all of a sudden Sammy Guevara's face pops up on the screen and Jake Hager, Jake Hager is out there with Sammy Guevara and they attack Dustin Rhodes. Really good stuff. Old school, man. That was so NWA. Boy, that was so good because Cody had no idea that was happening. He looks at the screen and sees that uh, Dustin is being attacked and it's like they take his arm and they slam it into the limo door and he gets Dustin gets his head bounced off of the limo that leaves a dent in the limo boy that was just good stuff really really well done told a great story that was so old school we haven't seen anything like that in a long time but that's that's when you tell a story and here's your difference between AEW and um, NXT in that regard right they it, to me, I'm watching AEW, and they're doing things that you hadn't seen in years being done on that show. And it's a good thing because it keeps it fresh for an audience that hadn't seen that before. Um, going to see Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks anytime that they're out there. It's never going to be, <laughs> it's never going to be a classic match. But one thing they do, they will entertain and they keep it fast. So, and they were all marks for Rick and Morty. And <laughs> so, it, you know, it was just, it's really fun. It was fun to see those guys out there because it's fast. It's well-paced. Um, John Moxley had the promo of the night. And one of the things I've talked about is that not enough promos, not enough promos uh, on either one of these shows because promos tell the story. I talk about this all the time. You see this even in the NWA shows. Um, you, you see the promos because you get a chance to know what's on the mind of the wrestler before they take the ring. That's that's so important today. The idea that you're just going to just roll through matches and never hear from the competitor, never get long-form conversation, is it's just bogus. I don't like it. But John Moxley had a great promo as he uh, knocked out the librarian, Peter Avalon. I want to hear more from Peter Avalon. He was only out there, only gave a few lines. He was really going to go in on, on Charleston, West Virginia. I think he had more to say, but then here comes John Moxley. Moxley was already was still in the back on his way to the arena, and Avalon didn't say anything. He was just standing there with the mic like a mark. Keep talking, man. Get the mic in your hand. Keep talking. Get yourself over before you get attacked. I thought that was weird. And good to see uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian win the tag team championships. I thought it was a good match. Um, not a great match. I thought it was a good match. Uh, I was actually I'm surprised at the finish. 
I guess because the Lucha Brothers travel and they go all over the place, maybe they couldn't be AEW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, if they were Tag Team Champions, it would make it even more special, actually, because now the Lucha Brothers come in. They are not on every week, but if you're, they're on every other week or every three weeks, now it keeps it special. Now you push the contenders, and now when the champions come in, now you got a real you know, a quality match. Um, the Lucha Brothers would actually exemplify world tag team champions because they would be all over the place. But Scorpio Sky and Kazarian uh, are representative of SCU, and um, it's a good tag team. I thought it was a really good match, not great. Uh, I don't know if I saw any great matches on either one of these shows, but I thought everything was pretty good. Um, so, as I mentioned, the... Uh, the tag team championship match for, on the women's side for NXT was the best match I saw um, on that show. And the best match that I saw uh, on the AEW side, you know, the angles were much better on AEW. I think the angles were way much better because they took their time to do it. Um, but I believe that the best match that I saw for AEW was their tag team match with Scorpio Sky and Kazarian against the Lucha Brothers. And again, it wasn't a classic, but it was very well laid out. It was good, but not not necessarily great. B plus, I would say. So I, I but again, no matter my letter grade, no matter my cup of tea, I just enjoy both shows. I don't hate one show over the other. I don't dislike one show over the other. Because they're they're different. Two different philosophies going at the same time on Wednesday nights. I love that. Because it's not just the same stuff that we get on Mondays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays and some of these other companies. All right, we're going to call Josh Lopez now from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. We'll find out what he thought of not just NXT and AEW, but also Crown Jewel. I wasn't going to watch it. He watched it. We're going to find out his thoughts. Let me give him a call. We go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com as we have this conversation. Go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and you'll find a, a thorough breakdown of a lot of the major events around the United States for professional wrestling and around the world here with the Crown Jewel. Josh Lopez joins me here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Josh, as always, I appreciate your time. The ratings are going off the roof, Hootie. Yes. Oh, that's, what it is. That's, also, that's what we're here for, pal. I mean, we are we're doing it, you and I here on TWT. Well, I, as I told you last week, I wasn't going to uh, watch Crown Jewel uh, because it wasn't in Charlotte. Uh, I was not in Greensboro this year, so I wasn't going to watch it. But you, you just as we record this, you just got a chance to watch it. What were your what were your takeaways from Crown Jewel and Jetta? This was the third um, show in uh, Saudi Arabia for WWE. I think this was the best one out of all of them. Uh, were there things on the show that I could have done without? Sure. But uh, I think it's also the first time that current wrestlers ended a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view, which is a good thing. But we'll, we'll get to it as the show goes on. Yeah, well, I, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. Well, tell me, give me some highlights that you like. Cause like uh, tell me about like Cain Velasquez. How'd that turn out with Brock Lesnar? How'd that go? Well, I am not. Uh, I don't have experience transcribing MMA fights, so this is kind of like the first. <laughs> uh, it was a different type of match to transcribe, but also the same thing. I don't think that was a bad thing. Uh, maybe brought some realism to it in a way with Brock Lesnar using the Kimura lock. Uh, I was surprised with how short the match was, but 
Um, I, I guess it's not the end between these two. So that, that really caught me off guard. I was not expecting a MMA style presentation in that match. And so you're good with the finish of that, huh? Well, I, I, Brock wasn't going to lose either way, so it didn't yeah. bother me way or another. <laughs> All right, what what else happened? Because I, I don't have the, I don't even have the card in front of me. I'm just going off the top of my head and just remember the promos for it. So Tyson Fury was out there against uh, Braun Strowman, right? Yes, he was, and we'll leave it at that. All right. What else stood out to you? What was the finish of that? Can you tell me? Uh, Tyson Fury won via TKO. Uh, he did. He. Deliver one of his uh, TKO punches when Strowman was on the ring apron, and then Strowman basically got a caught up. But they called it a TKO, so that's how the match ended. Oh. Good stuff. Uh, tag team turmoil match. Uh, for those who haven't watched Crown Jewel yet, go watch it. It was a lot of fun. The OC defeated the Viking Raiders in the finals uh, to be crowned the best tag team in the world shane mcmahon didn't bring out peak ass or anybody from the meat street pod the oc are uh self-proclaimed best tag team in the world they won the tag team turmoil match that was a lot of fun uh Uh, cesaro and right future ahead of him he looks a lot like seth rollins man moves a lot like seth rollins but he got a good uh reaction from the crowd and he defeated cesaro in a very entertaining match yeah, that's interesting. Hold on once. That's interesting because <laughs> you need some interesting on that show, that's for sure. All right, Josh, any other highlights from Crown Jewel? Yes, uh, one of the biggest highlights of the show was the Lacey Evans Italian match, uh, the first ever women's match in WWE history inside uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, the crowd were into it, a lot of pops. Uh, there is a video floating around where Nimrod threw a water bottle, I think, at Natalia. Uh, let's say you want to sign him for the Chicago White Sox or Cubs because his arm wasn't that good. Well, uh, wait, wait, wait. Who, who, wait. Who, who threw the bottle? Who was it? The Prince? No, not the prince. Somebody in the crowd threw a water, a plastic water bottle at Natalia during her entrance. It, it didn't hit her. Like I said, the guy didn't have a good arm to him. So. <laughs> wow. So, so you know, like on the surface, it's like, well, maybe the people, some of the people there probably didn't like the idea that if there was a women's match. What do you think? I, I think that was going to come with the territory. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, when it comes with this relationship, you know, it's something that you just got to expect one way or another. It's not that it's right or wrong. I, I, For me personally, I don't subscribe to their beliefs out there in Saudi Arabia. But again, like I mentioned before, I, uh, those fans should not be able to uh, not see these performers uh, in the ring, whether male or female. And in a large part, most of the match, the, the people were into it. There was this is awesome chance. Uh, I've seen, me and you have seen Lacey Evans and Natalia fight each other a lot over the last couple months, and they've uh, built a solid chemistry with each other in the ring, and it was a little touching moment. Uh, both of the ladies got emotional as the match was going on. It was one of the bigger moments of the show, so despite <laughs> the bad throw from the crowd in the, <laughs> with the let's say like a... Um, I'm trying to think of a bad outfielder from the past. Uh, like Lance Johnson from the White Sox or or actually, <laughs> or, or actually the center field for the, the Cubs now, the little guy that's like comes off the bench or got his name. But, yeah, someone with a bad arm, right? Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp. There you go. <laughs> Fast with no arm. Yes. 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 
Yeah, well, that's that's too bad that that happened. But at least the women were able to break history, those two. So that was a great moment. They made an announcement uh, during the show that in Chicago for Survivor Series weekend, uh, the the theme, the attraction for Survivor Series this year will be the first time where Raw, SmackDown, and NXT will fight each other on the same show. Uh, that was one of the big announcements uh, during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Survivor Series weekend will be here a week before Thanksgiving at the Allstate Arena. Or, my bad, the Rosemont Horizon. Let's get our facts straight. Well, yes. <laughs> Rosemont Horizon. Yes. <laughs> Um, so that was a pretty cool announcement. I'm, I'm excited cause I'm going to be, I'm going to be at all four events that weekend. I'm looking forward to that weekend. Uh, and then, uh, as far as the rest of crown jewels concerned, team Hogan and team Flair was my favorite match in the show. Uh, surprisingly, Hogan and Flair did not get involved in the match. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Hogan's always got a bad back and Flair. Well, you know, he's, he was almost dead earlier this year on the, on the yeah, table. That's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not a good idea for them to try to relive what they did in TNA. That's a good idea. Uh, it's crazy that's been a decade ago, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Boy, I tell you what. But here's here's what's what's troublesome. They're both they're both still over than the than ninety percent of that roster. I don't know about the crowd in the, that I was watching earlier because the big dog was certainly over during that match and Randy Orton as well. Well, you know, it was it's hard to see some of that old that was old video back then. I mean, I, I, did, did the NWA was that was that running in Saudi Arabia when Flair was running hot as a champion? Not so sure. <laughs> so I, I, didn't think, I don't think I don't think Jim Crockett Promotions got to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia back then. But uh, I know, listen, I know that Flair was all over the world, but I don't know if he made it to Saudi Arabia. So that maybe that maybe that's the disconnect. Um, what happened at NXT AEW that you that you like? Because I I mentioned earlier, Josh, I just thought that both shows once again just told great stories. They're different, but I I, I don't think either show was bad this week for Chapter Five. Right. But really quick before I go into NXT and AEW, I'd be remiss without mentioning that The Fiend is your brand new Universal Champion. Uh, wanted to mention, I forgot that in my list of notes here. Uh, not that the match was bad or anything like that. I've seen on Twitter a lot of people complain about the red lighting and stuff. And yeah, it's kind of a hit and miss type thing for me from a presentation point of view. But uh, that match was pretty cool. They had a nice visual where Rollins like super kicked Bray off the stage. And then Bray like rose up from like a pile of production crates. And it was it was really cool visual how they set up that finish. Bray Wyatt is your brand new uh, Universal Champion. I wanted to get your thoughts on that really quick. Oh, see, I, see now you know I didn't watch it <laughs> because he, <laughs> I stayed away from social media because I was watching AEW NXT um, on Thursday morning. Um, well, Josh, call me old school. But Bray Wyatt doesn't need the WWE Championship. Now, I understand it's a universal title. It's a title for Raw. It's not Brock Lesnar's title, so I understand that. Um, right. But, I, you know, I look at The Fiend like I look at Jake Roberts or Kevin Sullivan or Raven or any of these, you know, weird – on the level of satanic and on the level of, of crazy type characters. And I, I just think that – even without the title, he's over. But um, I think a character like that needs to be left special, Josh. I don't think that I want to see The Fiend every week, but yep. now I think we will. 
I, I don't disagree with you. I've been saying this a lot on my own podcast. Um, just because you're the flavor of the month on Twitter doesn't mean you deserve a title. And it's also when it comes to certain characters. Uh, when I never thought Bray Wyatt needed a title when he was just a regular guy with the Wyatt family, nor does he need it now. Uh, it's kind of that pressure thing, whether you do a double turn with their characters or Seth Rollins retains and Bray does something else. And that's one of those things where occasionally WWE put themselves in the corner with a particular character. But also that comes in that thing where, oh, WWE doesn't listen to their fans. And most of the people on the wrestling Twitter bubble wanted Bray Wyatt to be the champion at Hell in the Cell. Now they're getting what they wanted. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, I just... I don't disagree. I, 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 I totally agree that he doesn't need the title. I just I don't know. Uh, I I just don't think that he sh- should have been in in line for the for the title. I just and I know yeah. it's a WWE and I understand that you just say the WWE is coming to town and some people will come. I just think that you want to have a drawing card. I understand he's a draw, but I just think yeah. that character is so different than everything else that I don't want to see that every week. I want to see him creep up every other week on on either brand, Raw or SmackDown, and cause havoc. Um, but, yeah, listen, I remember when he was, as you mentioned, he was WWE champion before. He was champion, but really not at that time, yeah. if you remember. Kind of <laughs> kind of like CM Punk, kind of like Kofi Kingston in that regard. Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Jack Swagger. Yeah. So, I, okay. I don't, I don't like it, but you know, I guess Seth Rollins can stop crying now about how the fans are on him. So maybe, maybe that this makes him even more of a baby face if he's chasing for the title versus having it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what goes down with Seth Rollins um, in a couple weeks. Uh, when it comes to Survivor Series, he probably just has to drop down like a Khalil Mack jersey or something, <laughs> so he out of the building. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and even, that, though, even though most people know he's a Bears fan. Yeah, that'd be and that'd actually be a shoot because he he does live and die with the Bears, so that's that'll work. What what are your thoughts on the Wednesday night wars? What stood out most? Unlike last week where I was kind of feeling like I enjoyed NXT more than AEW, this week was just fun shows from both companies. You know? I really enjoyed AEW and uh the match where it started off with Hangman Page and Sammy Guevara was awesome. The contract signing with uh, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes was my favorite part of the show last night for Dynamite. I got a quick question for you. Is Tony Schiavone going to turn on Cody Rhodes? Because those segments he had where he was rocking a limousine with him was just odd. I didn't know where that was going. Like, I get it that Tony is, like, portrayed as the uncle of Cody Rhodes or in this scenario. You got to help me out here. Is he going to turn heel on Cody? No, 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 no. I think we know he's going to turn heel on Cody. No, I – no, that, that – they were reprising um, Ric Flair in the limo would mean Gene in 93, I think it was, 92 – Okay. When uh, Flair was in the limo with Mean Gene, when he was on his way to face Vader for the WCW title, and I think they just kind of did right. did what they did back in the day. That this, I think they it was kind of an homage to the early WCW days. I think it was kind of cool, actually. It was different because you don't see that anymore. I was glad to see that John Moxley finally got to cut an in ring promo 
on Dynamite, so that was a good thing. Uh, he honestly was saying, hey, Tony Khan, you can take your uh, fabricated wins-loss record and shove it up toward the sun. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like I said, I, I thought it was a good show from AEW, and then as far as uh, NXT is concerned, uh, the, <laughs> there's so many <laughs> matches that I'm trying to remember right now, like my head is like fried i think i like transcribed five shows in the last 24 hours <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh like candace LeRae and eel shirai these two got amazing chemistry and i i can't put over enough how good the nxt women's division is to the fact that they're having their own war games match now uh i didn't hear your thoughts earlier on that what, what do you think about that announcement well i love it i love it um it, it, I just want to know which ten are going to be in there because I thought I think I saw twelve or thirteen women fighting. So I like to see, like 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 it seemed like there was an odd amount of women that were out there. So he's I just want to know who he has for war games. But the battle was one of the highlights of NXT for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you got Rhea Ripley established herself as a baby face and has her eyes set on Shayna Baszler and. There's heat there. You got the other sub feud with uh, Shirai and Candice LeRae. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors, I thought, had a pretty good match with uh, Team Kick uh, last night. Uh, that, you know how I was talking about last week where AEW tag teams don't really cut the ring in half? Yeah. You saw that a lot on NXT last night in the tag team matches that are in there. Like, I love watching uh, Red... I call them Red Dragon, but they're still in the Undisputed Era. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. They had a, a nice, solid main event with uh, Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Yeah, I thought I thought it was too. I, I thought the Kabuki Warriors did a great job too um, as a tag team. Uh, even though Mara Ronaldo's like, oh, it's like the Andersons. They're working on a they're working on a body part. Well, the Andersons worked on the freaking arm, not the leg. But thanks, Mara. Thanks so much. Um, but uh, but I I thought that. It, it, but here's the thing that you and I both know, Josh. The AEW roster, especially the veterans that are on that roster, they know what they're doing. And, and, and even if they've been in the ring for three, four years, they've been trained day in and day out to do it right. And there's your difference between you know, NXT and even AEW to an extent where you have AEW wrestlers that still have to learn some of the intricacies of the business. But the NXT, because they're right there in Orlando, young wrestlers, veteran wrestlers, they have a path. They know exactly what they want to do in matches. Unlike that Rick and Morty six-man tag team match, I'm still trying to uh, scratch that out of my brain threshold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's my let me up match, I, I like, pal. I like Orange Cassidy, by the way. This is not. I know I've been like putting over Jim Cornette and stuff on Twitter the last couple of days, but uh, I actually like Orange Cassidy. But that Rick and Morty stuff was all over the place. And then also, like, I don't know what the elite were going for. Maybe I'm not that much into video game culture, where I, I wasn't sure what characters they were wearing. I don't know. It was odd. It, it was odd. Like I can accept it because it's Halloween week, but if right. they but it, but here's the thing: you could probably see them do that in November and December and January. There's my disconnect. Like you're yeah, you're only talking right. to a certain you're only sectioning off the audience when you do that. Like I don't get that, but I can accept the in ring work, but just the other nonsense. It's like I don't know what you're going for there because that doesn't help everybody. Right and. 
one thing I thought was pretty good on AEW last night that they are establishing other stuff for the full gear pay per view than just uh, Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and um, um, John Moxley. Like they started that stuff with um, Santana and Ortiz uh, attacking the Rock and Roll Express and they're fighting the Young Bucks at the pay per view. Uh, Hangman Page is talking about cowboy shit and he's gonna fight Pac at the pay per view. Yeah, so I. I thought AEW did a better job this week uh, building up that pay-per-view that's coming up a week from this Sunday. It's, it's, a week from this Saturday, actually, my bad. You know what, Josh? It's it's just going to take time for AEW to find their footing. And it, it right. just like, I know that there's, I know that we're in 2019. You want it now. You want a finished product now. They're going in the right direction. But like a year from now, I expect them to be even better as far as direction, promos, um, being able to highlight wrestlers, new wrestlers that come in. But when you're new, you're gonna there's gonna be some growing pains. But so far, for a company that's on TNT for two hours, they're filling the time nicely. They they have a direction. Yeah. At least I could say that. So that's you know it's early, but let's see where they are a year from now. That will tell a great story, I think. Absolutely, I totally agree with you, and um, I think. As the months go by, you'll see more characters rise from within. And I know right now it looks like the AEW roster is thin as far as how many different type of matches you can do on television. But like like you said, that all comes with time. And I, I, I think this week was just good content from both AEW and NXT. All right, my friend. If I go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, what would I find? You will find all... Four hours of Crown Royal that I just broke. <laughs> yeah. Also, also got the latest editions of uh, NXT UK oh. and and NWA Power. Our show's hoodie. Yes, NWA Power. You love Idol Stevens, and I don't like him. That's great. Oh, I love him from the trolling heat. Uh, perspective. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, it's just with his facial expressions and the way he goes like, silence! <laughs> yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You gotta watch, but, uh, you gotta watch it on YouTube, folks. N- uh, NWA Power. Find that on YouTube and uh, watch the l- few episodes. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at WrestlingTWT and uh, uh, at the Hoots Podcast. We'd love to get your reaction to the shows that we're talking about. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, NWA Power. I want to give a shout out to whoever's doing the closed caption in the uh, on the YouTube version for NWA Power because uh, with my transcriptions, I want to make sure we get the promos out and all the dialogue right. You know, like I sometimes with a lot of wrestling articles when they do transcriptions or just general result articles, they'll just like kind of glance and give a layman's term of what's going on with the promos. When I'm doing a, a show. Or, or transcription. I want to get you every detail that's important to the wrestlers and the storylines that are going on with these shows. So sometimes I get trapped in the situation. Like, does this problem make sense? Like, <laughs> you know, like AEW talk about. Oh, we need referee discretion. Sometimes I have writing discretion because I'm not responsible for promos making or not making sense. So I want to give shout out to whoever does the like close caption for NW Power because it really helps me out. Uh, transcribe those promos because there's a lot of promos and nwa power right now some are good some are not but i i've i love nwa power so far it's a lot of fun yeah it's a throwback to a our bygone era and uh they're modernizing nicely so i'm a, I'm a big fan for sure and the real world champions on there 
Yeah, the best world champion in the business right now. <laughs> we gotta break. <laughs> we gotta break that down in an episode. We gotta talk about the best champions because that I think that'd be a great conversation. Well, prowrestlingtranscriptions.com, That's where you go. Support Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. He's got his own podcast, but I mean, listen, I mean, he's got a podcast, but he's on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and so that really, I mean, that really is the crown jewel of podcasts. <laughs> so, oh, <no. laughs> We have a more positive name for that. <laughs> we, we are the crowd jewel, by God, of podcast. Well, my friend, we'll do this next week. We got a lot to talk about. Um, I do want to get your list of champions, and we'll try to dig into some of the other shows that you talk about on the uh, Pro Wrestling Transcriptions. Yes, sir, Hoodie. Thank you for having me on, as always, and uh, you're welcome for the ratings. <laughs> There he goes, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Follow him on Twitter at The Hoots Podcast. All right, got to go. Talk to you next Tuesday. We've got a lot to talk about. MLW's first pay-per-view. And if you haven't checked it out, check out their first pay-per-view. MLW, Major League Wrestling. is going to be at Cicero Stadium in Chicago. It's awesome. We'll talk about AEW. We'll talk about NXT. We'll talk about the WWE. NWA and so much more another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday tell people Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday now twice a week wherever you download your podcasts thanks so much for listening talk to you soon